0: we come to our prayer, we come Lord, to try to learn how to love you and to love you as we've considered before, is to be pleasing to God, is to please him. And a sign that, um, that we're pleasing to God is if we would do something that Jesus would compliment. If we would have some attitude or some deed or some choice, that Jesus would find praiseworthy. And so we can look at a a scene in the gospel, Lord, very much in your presence in this time of prayer, where our Lord precisely compliments someone. It's a scene that we're all familiar with. Sometimes it's summarized as the widow's might. We read in the Gospel of Mark. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. It's kind of interesting to see the humanity of our Lord. Lord, how much you are like us. How our Lord spent his time, spent his free time, so to speak. Here we find our Lord people watching. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. And just like we might like to go to a mall and sit on a bench and watch the people as they walk by, when we used to go to malls anyway, or go to a park and again sit on a bench or sit on a blanket and just, and just to watch the people walk by, or watch the people, look at the people around us. Our Lord does this. He's in love with humanity and he does this with his disciples with him. And he points out to them what he sees. He uses it as a teaching moment. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, her whole living. A beautiful compliment from our Lord. This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. It reminds us, Lord, that you do not judge things in terms of Materialism that our Lord does not judge things in terms of their financial value as we do so many times. Our Lord says she put in more, even though mathematically speaking, economically speaking, financially speaking, she actually put in less. But our Lord doesn't qualify, He doesn't say, Well, you know, she put in more spiritually or her gift was better because it came from a greater generosity. He just says straight up, she put in more than anyone else. This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. And before that, he, he, he prefaces it by saying, truly, I say to you, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. And so we see here, Lord, that you compliment, that you appreciate generosity, radical generosity, giving more than is safe, giving more than is reasonable, giving more than is cautious, giving beyond, Lord, what is in our surplus, what doesn't cost us to give, to give everything we have to live on, to give everything to God. She, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, her whole living. So, Lord, help me to be more generous. Obviously, for most of us, our Lord doesn't want us to literally give up all of our possessions. We have other people in our care. Most of us are ordinary people living in the middle of the world. And so we have to own things. We have to use things. We have to plan financially, economically, for ourselves, for our family. But are we generous? Or do I just give for my surplus, or do I give a little bit in a risky way? In a way that forces me, Lord, to depend on you more. And I think this is another reason why the widow is so pleasing to Jesus. This is why she earns this compliment. That she gives in such a way that she has to depend on God completely. She makes God become her sustenance. She forces God to take care of her totally, completely. By giving everything she had to live on. And this is the spiritual attitude of of abandonment, of a kind of radical dependence on God, which we all need. We all need in our spiritual life, we all need in our whole life. We need to learn how to rely on God completely. As if we didn't have human means, as if we didn't have our own talents to rely on, as if we didn't have our own possessions to rely on. Because the fact of the matter is that we do depend on God completely for everything. Our Lord, in the Gospel of John, spells out this dependence for us. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man does not abide in me, he is cast forth as a branch and withers and the branches are gathered thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my word and my words abide in you ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. Right? Our Lord here is expressing the reality of our, of our dependence on him. The reality of of our dependence on God, which is total, he says, "Without me, you can do nothing." And we are like we are like branches connected to the vine. That if we stay connected, we'll bear fruit. But if we're cut off, we'll wither up and die, and be and be um, only useful for 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 that fire, right? To be cast into the fire. So, Lord, help me, to, help me to accept this. Help me to recognize it. Help me not to be afraid of it. Like that widow wasn't afraid of relying on you completely. Lord, help me to, in my prayer life, in my personal life, in my work life, and my struggle for virtue, not to be afraid of relying on you more, being completely dependent on you. To realize, Lord, that you are the vine and I am the branch. That if I'm not connected to you, I'm not depending on you. If I'm not leaning on you, I won't bear fruit. Will, nothing good will come for my life, without you, Lord. I remember when I lived in Rome and I was studying for the priesthood. In our house, we had a garden, and um, and part of the garden was that the there were some walls on which these vines grew, and they were very beautiful. And one, at one point in my stay there, one of my um, small jobs around, around the house was to help take care of the garden. And so we would rake leaves and, and plant things at the different times of uh, the year. And we would also have to, have to trim, right? Trim bushes and trim trees. And so one of the things we would have to trim was this, was this vine that would grow up from the, from the ground. And covered the, these walls. And I remember one time I was um, there was a kind of a bridge, like an overpass, and this this vine was on the face of the bridge. And so, in order to cut it, I had to kind of like hang over the top of the of the bridge with clippers and try to cut it, like you know, from from above, so to speak. And so I had a, I had a partner who was down below. And he was guiding me so that I wouldn't, you know, um, cut too close or cut the wrong, cut the wrong vine. Cut the vine instead of the branches, so to speak. And precisely that's that's um, what almost happened. He got distracted, and I wasn't aware what I was doing. And I was about to cut not a branch, but the main vine that connected the whole the whole network of vines to this bridge. And it was a lot. And so when once he realized what I was doing, he shouted, No! Stop! You're going to kill the whole thing, right? You're about to cut the vine. And this is us with our Lord, right? That um, forgetfulness of God, rejection of God, sin, right? cuts us off from the vine. And our Lord yells at us, No! Stop! Right? Don't cut that one you need to depend on me. Without me, you can do nothing. But connected to the vine, you will bear much fruit. And so, Lord, help me to see where do I need to give something up, to give up some control in order to uh, depend on you more completely, in order to be more like this widow who, who trusts you so much that she gives you everything. Everything she has to live on. And we don't like this in our our day and age. We don't like this in our culture. We don't like this in our society. We don't like the idea of dependence. Dependence has a bad connotation for us. We think of people who are dependent on drugs or dependent on alcohol. Or people who are in bad relationships, right? They're codependent, and one's an enabler. And people, even with with um, things that aren't as harmful, they often say, "I don't want to become dependent on this or that," and so I won't do it so much. Or I'll cut back on it. Right? I don't want to be dependent. And with God, we we precisely need to and want to foster. Completely the opposite attitude. With God, we want to do completely the opposite thing. We want to be dependent on him. We want to need him. And we have to recognize that we have no choice. (laughs) With regard to God, this is the way it is. We want to accept it and glory in it and rest in it and use it as a springboard for our charity and for our work in the world. Whether we like it or not, we're totally dependent on God. And this, Lord, happens, it happens in a way, in a very basic way. It happens because you create the world. And you create the world out of nothing. And therefore, the existence of the world, the continued existence of the world, depends on your continually giving it existence. God has to hold the world in existence with his act of conservation. What St. Thomas calls a, a continued creation. And in a special way, each one of us, each human being, depends directly on God's continually creating us because the soul is not the result of biological reproduction. And so at the moment of conception or shortly thereafter, every time a human being comes into existence, God has to create the soul. And the soul keeps the body in existence. The soul gives actuality to the body. And so for as long as we exist in body and soul or after death with our soul alone, God has to hold each one of us in existence because he creates us, each one of us, individually. Individually. were created out of nothing so at every moment of my existence lord you hold me in being at every moment of my existence god is giving me my very active existing my very active being which is so reassuring right that there's nothing in me that's not from god There's nothing about me that God doesn't know intimately because he's right there in the, middle of my, in the middle of my existence, in the middle of my soul, creating it, right, giving me life, giving me, giving me being. St. Augustine concludes from this consideration, he says that God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. Right? God is closer to me than I am to myself. The only thing that's truly mine, Lord, without you, there's lots lots that I have because you're giving it to me, including my good works, my correspondence to your grace, right? They're mine, but they're mine because God God creates me. He lets me do these things. He helps me to do them. The only thing I truly have that's, that's, that's mine alone without you, Lord, is sin. It's the only thing that God has nothing to do with. And sin is precisely a refusal to exist, a refusal to be, a refusal to love, and God who is being is also love. Everything else, everything that's good in any way, comes from God. It's a gift from God. Psalm 100, it's very beautiful in Latin, it says, ipse fecit nos, et ipsius sumus. He made us, and we belong to Him. Ipse fecienos, et ipsius sumos. He made us, and we belong to Him. And so if this is true, Lord, on the level of creation, that you have made us, and that we are yours, and that we can't do anything without you, as our Lord says in this, in this image of the vine and the branches, without me you could do nothing. If this is true Lord on the level of creation, how much more is it true on the supernatural level? On the level of this new life that we live in Christ? Right? How much more do we depend on him there? St. Josemaria, in the way, speaks to this radical dependence on, on Jesus. Point 731, depend on Jesus for everything. You have nothing, are worth nothing, are capable of nothing. He will act if you abandon yourself to him. Depend on Jesus for everything. You have nothing, are worth nothing, are capable of nothing. He will act if you abandon yourself to him. This is what that, that widow does when our Lord is watching her. She depends on him for everything. She gives him everything she has to live on. In the original Spanish, it's it's more expressive, this point in the way, 731. In the Spanish, St. Josemaria says, Espero lo todo de Jesús. Right? Which is translated, depend on Jesus for everything. And that's a good translation, but but the verb that St. Josemaria uses there Espero, esperar, means to hope, right? And so it means to, you know, to hope or to expect everything from God. To hope for everything from God, to expect everything from God. That word espero in Spanish also means to wait, to wait for, wait for good things from God, expect good things from God. And so depend is a good translation because it's getting across this point that on our own, right, without God, we don't have anything. We can't do anything. We're not worth anything without God. With God, we're worth a lot. All of our goodness comes from him. And it's a great, it's a great amount of goodness. Right? God dies on the cross for you and for me. God the Father gives his son for you and for me. We're worth uh, more than we can imagine. But it's because of him that we're worth so much. On our own, we don't have anything. We can't do anything. We're not worth anything without him. We receive it all from him. What do you have that you have not received, St. Paul says? And so depend on him for everything is a good translation of that. lo todo de Jesús. Depend on Jesus for everything. But it, um, but it doesn't have... The wealth of meanings that Espero has, right? Which which is a kind of like hope and trust him for everything. Hope in him for everything. Expect everything from him. Right? He loves you, he's going to do good things for you. He's going to take care of you. Wait for good things for him, right? If you're going through a difficult time, right? wait for the Lord who will who, who's on his way, who's coming, right? Expect him to arrive with that help. And so, Lord, shine a light in my heart, shine a light on my life, shine a light on my mind, and help me to see where I can do this more. What things in my life, Lord, am I trying to take care of without your help? What things in my life, Lord, am I unwilling to let you help me with? Where, Lord, am I holding on to control in a way that you, that you don't want me to? I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Lord, how do we stay connected to the vine? How do we make sure, Lord, that we don't separate ourselves from the vine and therefore wither up and die, fit only for the fire? How do we stay connected to the vine that is our Lord? In the first place, the sacraments. And above all, in the Eucharist, our Lord says this, He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. When we receive our Lord in the Eucharist, the host, we don't, we don't need to receive in, in both species. We don't need to receive um, both the body and the blood. If we receive the body, we receive the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? In, the, in the host alone, We have the body, and therefore, because the body is alive, we have the blood. And because the body and the blood are alive, right part of this living body, we have the soul, which gives life to the body. And because our Lord is always both God and man, we also have the divinity of God. And so in in any host, we have the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I In Him. We have again that word abide, to live, to live in. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And how do we abide in Him? Well, communion, going to Mass, receiving communion as much as we can in the state of grace. What a wonderful thing to think about. What a wonderful way, Lord, to think about our Christian life. Our Christian life is living in him. He's the environment in which we live. In him we live and move and have our being. St. Paul puts it. And he lives in us in a mysterious way. Abide in me and I in you. And so this is one way that we, that we stay connected to the vine, right? That we don't, we don't break ourselves off from the vine. That we stay dependent on God in the way that he wants us to be dependent on him. The sacraments. Another way is our prayer life. Our efforts, Lord, to be souls of prayer. Souls who know how to sit in your presence... Souls who know how to look at you. Souls who know how to talk to you. Souls who know how to to pass time making you their only focus so that we can adore you. So that we can tell you we're sorry. So that we can thank you for things. So that we can ask you for help for ourselves, for our friends, for our family, for our country. For everyone in our life. Prayer is the oxygen of the soul. It's a quote from St. Padre Pio. Prayer is the oxygen of the soul. And of course, um, the body can't live without oxygen. It needs to breathe. It needs to breathe. We can go a long time without food. But we can't go very long at all without oxygen. We can go a few days without water. But we can't go even over a few minutes without oxygen. Prayer is the oxygen of the soul. How much, Lord, do I pray? Lord, how easily do I forget about you? There's a line in the Psalms that says, Let my tongue cleave to the top of my mouth. Let my tongue cleave to my mouth. If I ever should forget you. I don't want to be able to talk or to swallow or to breathe. If I ever should forget you. Let let my tongue cleave to the top of my mouth. If I ever ever should forget you, my Lord. Lord. How do we stay connected to the branch? How do we stay dependent? Trying to live presence of God. Remembering. Remembering that that he's always with us. That he's always creating us. And then trying to do things simply because we're depending on him for help. It is a great attitude with which to do things. I can do this because I know God is helping me. I can do this because I know that God is with me. And so I can try to do this thing well, whatever it is, how, however difficult I find it, naturally speaking. I'm not worried about the results. I'll try to do my best. I'm not worried about what will happen to me. Why? Because I know that God is with me. I know I'm connected to him. And so we can be daring in evangelization. We can be daring in apostolate. We can be brave in working at some character flaw that we have that we feel... Um, has gotten the best of us. That we think perhaps you know it'll never change because there it is. But well, we can keep attacking that with this confidence that God is with us. And if he wants it to change, he'll help us make it change. And if he wants us to keep working on this, working on it, apparently with no fruit, well, he'll help us to keep working on it. And if he wants us to overcome some difficulty we have in our family life or in our professional life he'll help us to overcome that difficulty. And this is another way to stay dependent on, on God, to do things simply because we're relying on his help, that we wouldn't do otherwise, that we wouldn't try otherwise. We go to the Blessed Mother, Our Lady, our Mother Mary. We ask her for the grace to please God in this way, just as she did, right, to make our lives lives that are totally dependent on God, radically dependent on God, in a way recklessly, (laughs) recklessly dependent on God. Our Lady, Our Mother, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations which you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.